praise. You are worthy of the goodness that you have given towards us. You are worthy of all praise. When we think of the goodness that you've given towards us, we can just say it is of such a sort that we can only say a God that is worthy to be called God. That is what it brings forth in our hearts. You're an awesome, awesome God. Thank you for the love that you have come to give us and the freedom that you are bringing forth in our hearts. Lord, if we think of who is worthy to break open the scroll and bring forth the life that would flow from it. You're the only one that was worthy. And that brought great destruction to many systems of this world. It brought great destruction to everything that is evil. And it brings life to us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, today I'm going to be preaching. Is everything working fine there, Elena? Yes, okay. Um, today I'm going to be preaching on grace, the power of God. To a life that was never accessible to mankind. Uh, God has come to give us a victorious life. We don't have to, under the message of His grace, be bound to the power of sin and death. We are under the rulership of Jesus Christ. This morning I was speaking um, uh, to Liesl here, this, and, and we were just talking about what happens when. People hear the grace message for the first time and they hear, you know, we don't have to be saved by our works. The first thing that happens is you feel relieved, which is a good thing. Because especially if you were thinking, God, my future is determined by my own works. My future, my relationship with you, and especially a place in heaven, is determined by my, by my own works. Even if it is evangelism or whatever it is. Uh, it is a work that one so many times think you need to do in order to have some place in heaven, to go to heaven. And then, if you really think of hell as a physical fire, if I mean, if I just take this wooden stove here and I make a fire here in winter, and you look into those flames, and you get the old traditional teaching on hellfire, and how hell burns, uh, nobody wants to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. And if you hear a message that says, I am not going to go to heaven based on my good works, but by His grace. Uh, you can just say, well, glory to God then. I've never liked doing these works anyway. It was hard work for me. It was a massive job for me to go and do evangelism or give money to the church. I'm anyway under financial pressure, so now I'm giving and I'm uh, giving my best here and Oh, I, I, I'm so frustrated with those children at the children's church anyway. So, uh, you know, I mean, my own children frustrate me. Now, what about other kids? And now, thank God, He has saved me from the church. Hallelujah. You know, that's the kind of feeling that, <laughs> that people can get. And uh, we find that there is then not an involvement and not... Uh, the church suffer. I've heard of, of, of preachers say, man, you know, my church has suffered. We've lost our income. We've lost commitment. The pastor's doing everything. And it's a very difficult situation. And it is since the grace message has now come in. Now, I want to say this. If you know that you're going to, uh, let, let's say you're caring for this old lady. And the reason why you care for her is so that you can inherit something. 
You don't like the old lady. You don't want to help her. You don't want anything to do with her. If it wasn't for the inheritance, you would not have helped her. But now you're doing it because at least you can inherit. Now, if she tells you, listen, if you never do anything for me, you're going to inherit anyway. Well, hallelujah. You know, I'm not seeing you again. Bye-bye. I'm gone. Because it was only for the inheritance anyway. And I think that is maybe one of the things when it comes to the message of grace and the, 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 um, the context wherein grace was understood. And that is, God uh, doesn't need my good works to give me a place in heaven. Where, to a certain degree, it is definitely true. We don't get saved by our works. And if, and if we just understand it like that, I can really see how it could be possible that people would say, well, you know, um, I don't care. You know, and and the, unfortunately, there are some people that would go and live a life that doesn't bear the fruit of God. Now, that is not God's dream for us, and that is not what grace is. Grace is God's power that makes us and brings us to share in His life. Whatever we've been struggling with that has brought frustration with our into our lives, God can set us free. And He has made it possible to bring forth uh, a fruit in our lives by His doing. And like I said in the, uh, in the opening here, before we got into the message, in the welcoming message here, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. He has set us free from sin and death. In other words, he set us free from something that was keeping us enslaved under the power of the devil so that we f can freely share in the life of God, that we don't have to have this uh, like a carrot in front of our noses so that we, like a stupid donkey, walk to get this reward so that we can uh, go to heaven one day. It is actually God coming to share his life with us. And I'm going to look at the Apostle Paul and what he is, um, what he is mentioning here. And sadly, it is uh, the message of grace <clears throat> has been seen by some as, uh, and I don't, and I want to say this, most of the people that I've seen in the church here in Durbanville and people that I have to do with on the web, those of you that are slotted in uh, uh, in our Zoom meeting today, I've seen great fruit and change in those people's lives. I have seen in people's lives uh, where it is like I stand back a bit from all the works that I used to do, which was things that I was forced into anyway. But I also saw great peace, people being delivered from depression, people being delivered from all kinds of sorts of pressures that they were under, and really coming to an understanding of who God is. And I think that um, the people that I know has got a stronger relationship with God than ever in their life, having a life born from God. But I do believe that as I minister on this and it's being put on the web and on YouTube and so forth, there are people that the Lord will lead them to this message so they can understand what grace truly is, what God has come to bring forth. And Paul was very bold as pertaining to the grace of God. He thanked God for grace because at last he can now experience God's life. He can be that which he always wanted to be. 
It says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 1, and we're going to read from there. Let me give a bit of background here. Paul uh, was, was heavily involved in starting a church in Corinth. And he loved those people. Uh, the people over there were influential people. And I can see if you study Acts, Paul was aiming for Rome. He was aiming for the bigger towns. Because what he was thinking is, if we can get the gospel into the bigger towns, then this gospel can now go to uh, the smaller towns, all these uh, places of great influence. If we can get the gospel in there, it will spread. And that's why he was really aiming for Rome. Uh, but in Corinth, being a very large city, very powerful city, very influential city, when they got a church going there, I can just imagine the joy that must have been in the heart of Paul. But Paul had what was called a thorn in the flesh, which, uh, the way I understand this, the thorn of the flesh was, it was some people that came from uh, the, the house of the Jews that would follow Paul, and wherever he goes, they would go and correct these believers. And the reason why they had access to those believers was because most of the people that got saved in the beginning, when Paul went on his evangelism trips, were Jews. They weren't Gentiles, they were Jews. He went to the synagogues. Uh, you can go, I've got that, that series on, on Acts, going through the book of Acts, basically chapter by chapter. You'll see, Paul's strategy was, he goes to the synagogue, he preaches at the synagogue, and then there were also some Gentiles that were standing outside the synagogue. They heard and they also got saved. So they would go to the Jews in these areas, and they had access to them because obviously those Jews still gathered at the synagogue. They didn't just leave everything. They believed upon Jesus, but they were still following in their Jewish customs. And then he had access to, uh, these people had access to them, and start to tell them, Paul is a bad person, he just wants money, he's a lazy guy, he doesn't want to work, he wasn't one of the great apostles, you know, all that he does is, he doesn't even take money with him, he goes from one town to the other town, and then when he gets there, he's, he puts an expectation on people to feed him, and they start to lie about Paul, and they turned the church in Corinth on Paul. And Paul's heart was broken. This is, if you read uh, uh, Corinthians, it's, it's some of the most heartbreaking passages in the Bible. <laughs> if, looking at a relationship between a pastor and his people. And all of a sudden, Paul, when he wanted to come back to uh, Corinth and he wanted to preach there, they said, where's your letter of recommendation? Imagine your own children say that to you. Now, where's your letter of commendation? And with that in mind, Paul um, writes 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter. Written on our hearts. Known and read by everyone. So what he's basically saying is, is what happened in Corinth when I preached there, I could see what God was doing in you. And what God was doing in you was writing something in my heart about this ministry, 
about the gospel, about the power of the resurrection, about who Jesus Christ is, about his influence in this world. And he wrote this into our hearts and um, by what he did in you, the manifestation of grace in you. So he says, I don't need no letter. I don't have to even try and commend myself to you. We don't need that because you yourself is the proof of that. He goes on, he says, you show, uh, excuse me, verse 3, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. So it wasn't a letter that was written by ink. The spirit of the living God, working in your lives, wrote in our hearts what grace truly is and what kind of a ministry we truly have. This was not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So now he's basically saying here, this is not just a physical letter. This is not just uh, the law that is now being preached here. No, this is God's life written into humans. That's what he's talking about. He says, such confidence. This is what we confidently expect on account of the ministry of the Spirit. He says, such confidence we have through Christ before God. We have this confidence to say that our ministry, the ministry that we had with you, the confidence that we have there is through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. Our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, with these verses uh, mentioned, let me put it in context. What Paul is saying is he's so bold about the grace gospel because he was preaching the grace of God. He was preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what he was preaching. He was preaching what God could accomplish in a human being. That's what he was bringing forth. That's what he was ministering. And it brought such a change in their life, in these people's lives, that Paul could clearly, clearly say, he says, listen, man, I can confidently say that this ministry does not need any letter of commendation. We know that what has happened in you was from God, is from God, and this, by this we can say that our ministry is good, and our ministry, and listen to this is the this is the crux of it, is not good because we are good preachers. He says, no, our ministry is good because we are ministering the new covenant. That's what makes our ministry good. We are ministering the grace of God. We are ministering what God has done. So what Paul is saying, he says, listen, that we are not competent in ourselves so that we can say we are anything. We don't try to say we are better than any other apostle or nothing. What we are saying is, is what makes what we do good is what we preach, is what we minister. We have got a, we are preaching the gospel that is not written on stones, but we are preaching the Spirit of God. Now, what was Paul's understanding of that? Paul's understanding was this. You got the law, the law gave you commandments, and then you got the power of the resurrection, which is the very life of God. 
So what Paul was think, what Paul realized was, when I'm under the grace of God, I am under the very power that raised Christ from the dead, and that is what is given unto us, whereby God brings forth a new life in us. So when Paul went to Ephesus, when Paul went to Corinth, he was preaching a message something like this. And we can read it in Acts. We can read, Acts is full of it. He would say, listen guys, I've got good news. There was a man, which according to the Old Testament prophets, then he would claim all the Old Testament prophets, how they prophesied about this, a Messiah that would come. This Messiah did come. He was then murdered. He was killed. And he was put in a grave. And he then rose from the dead. And after he rose from the dead, he was seen by people and he was declared to be the son of God in human flesh. He rose up and sat at the right hand of the father. I saw him and he poured out his spirit on Jew and Gentile and it brings forth a change of life. So we now can have the confident expectation that we are under the rulership of eternal life. We are not under sin and death. And what this amounts to is an empty grave. And we know that whatsoever leads to death is sin. Therefore, we know that he also rules over that. And we can now share in the life that comes from heaven and is distributed through this man to each one of us. Believe and call upon his name and you shall be saved. He didn't talk about heaven. He didn't talk about where you'll go when you die. He didn't talk about any of that. There is no reference whatsoever in the New Testament, not even one verse where it is about where you go when you die. Never. It was not about that. The gospel is not about where you go when you die. And I've challenged people to show me where the gospel, where it says that Paul ever preached and said, who of you want to go to heaven? Put up your hand. No, what he said is, who of you wants to, or he basically didn't even say who of you want. He simply said this, this man, Jesus, that was raised from the dead is going to come back and he will distribute eternal life to each one who has submitted to him, believed upon it. And those people who have not made use of his eternal life and made them his enemy, they will not share in the life because they are not taking what is given and they'll die. So he's coming back. Second Corinthians chapter four. Uh, let us just quickly go there. This is very powerful. Uh, we can see uh, Paul's understanding of the power of grace in this world, in everyday life. Second Corinthians four. And I tell you, this is to me a, a message of hope because some can interpret it, maybe you watch online or people watching it later as, oh yeah, here is Jesus again and he just wants me to do good things again for his kingdom. Well, let me put it this way. If love irritates you, the new kingdom will always irritate you because it's full of love. If being kind is something that you cannot face uh, in the return of Jesus, when you behold his kindness and his goodness and what he can bring forth in raising people from the dead, shining with the fullness of God, full of life, full of mercy, full of kindness, full of generosity. If that frustration irritates you, 
I don't know where you're going to live. You'll be part, a partaker of death because that's the only life there is. And the most beautiful thing is, if we think of a world wherein we live today, think of, um, I, I mean, I, I the other day see that even in Holland, they are talking about um, farmers that can lose their farms. Even in Holland, ons dog is hier by ons. We think it's just here with us. No. Uh, I've just watched the video. Some people in Holland, they are, so, they, they are scared. The government, with some conspiracy, some way, they want their, they want their farms as well. So now we think, oh, you're, I thought I'm going to go to Holland to be safe. Now I find they're already there. Where shall we go, Lord? <laughs> now, if you're in a place where the electricity is off, I mean, electricity is really stable in Zambia, man. To be honest, compared to what we've had here, now I see it's a bit better. So, um, if we think of, the, of, of politics, if we think of pain and hurt we have in, in marriage, if we think of a relationship with children, if we think of a lot of things that can be difficult, you never want your joy to be under the jurisdiction of the things of this world. Imagine you have all those bad things and you are sad. That's terrible. You still can have bad things happen to you, but what if joy is poured out in your heart and love in your heart in the midst of those things and that joy and that love is supernatural by the power of God? I mean, that's what you want. I'd rather be joy, joyful and go through a difficult time than being sad and going through a difficult time. We're living in a, a world that has not seen the return of Jesus Christ yet. We still see brokenness in this world. We still have people that will try to harm you and discredit you and whatever. You'll have that. But in the midst of that, you can have joy because you're under the jurisdiction of heaven. You can have love. Where must a person be in his heart in order to show love? You have to be full. When are you, where, where do you have to be in order to be a giver? You first have to be full. So here we find the fruit of God's life manifesting in people that sit in jail. Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, he sits in jail, Philippians. He says, well, guys, um, I just want to say this. Um, I don't know. I'm going to stand before the judge. He's going to give a judgment about me. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I get the feeling that I'm going to make it, that I will not have the death sentence. But you know what? Listen to this. <laughs> Even if I get the death sentence, because everybody already knows that I'm here being persecuted for the gospel, the message is going to go all over the world. He was persecuted for the gospel. People will say, so what is this gospel? No, it's about the man who died and who rose again. He says, well, hallelujah then. Let it then be. Doesn't matter, live or die, it's going to be to the glory of God. Now to me, even with our natural mind, we think, oh my goodness, that kind of can be a bit sad. But if you think from Paul's perspective, this guy is happy in a jail. And that is what God has come and brought to us. It's a power that's greater than the things of this world. And Paul says, I need nobody to, uh, body's letter of approval, 
I could see this gospel work in you. And the reason why it works in you is not because we are good preachers. It's because what we preach can deliver people and set them truly free. For what we minister is not that which brings death. We preach and bring what gives life. We are under the jurisdiction of life. So let's stop to think of death. Let's stop to think of what brings fear. No, we are under life. We can think of the life of God. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Listen to what Paul says here. This is powerful, man. <laughs> it says, um, this is now in the most difficult persecution. He says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So when Paul talks about carrying about in his body the death of Jesus, and we talk about it, uh, in, in the day and age we are in, is basically two different things. When we carry in our body the death of Jesus, we would say, man, we carry the death of Jesus. What did he die away? He died away sin. He died away death. And we now, in our bodies, are carrying the power of the resurrection, glory to God. But the context of this verse is not what Paul is saying. He's saying we always carry about in our body the death of Jesus. So he was saying, I'm persecuted for the gospel. He says, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So what he's saying is, is we believe in Jesus. We're not going to get rid of the gospel. We're not going to say when persecution come that we don't believe in him anymore. Going back to our own, own system so that we stand in the power of ourselves. He says, no, we want the resurrection. We're going to believe until the end. That's what he's saying. He says, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that... His life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. That's Paul saying, listen, we are persecuted for the gospel here. But as they want to kill our bodies, we find that life is working in you. Because we are preaching and we're seeing the life of God manifesting in you. So, he says, that is good for us. It's good for us. Even if we suffer a bit, I can tell you now, um, we don't have the persecution in South Africa the way these people had it. But there are difficult times that we can go through. I can think just going to Zambia and getting everything done there with a government and a work permit and <laughs> all those kind of things. I mean, you, you're busy. And some of those things can be frustrating. Like Eliana's temple permit to, to get it. I mean, I got my work permit. I got everything. Now they don't want to allow my wife. You call, you this, you that, you pray, Lord Jesus, help. You know, something needs to happen. It's every day. It's trying. Imagine you try to get a refund from the Zambian government. <laughs> and if they don't give a refund, then the computer will not allow another application. No, what? No. You know, that's a difficult situation. You know, and you are, plus, I mean, so you're going through difficult times. But what I'm saying is, I'm going through all these difficult times. And yes, there are those things. But I find that in the midst of all of this, as we preach, as we find the gospel, I find, yes, death might be working in us, or we can say difficult times we are going through. But life is working in you. I've had somebody uh, give me a testimony and say, Bertie, I've heard about a thing that you were going through. I just want to say, 
sorry that I must say it this way, she said, um, I'm glad you went through that difficult time. God, <laughs> help me, what must I say? And this is what she said. She said, because I saw what grace could bring forth in a person's life that's going through the most difficult times of whom lies are being told. And I could see you shine with the glory of God all the time. And that gives me so much hope because I see that I'm in the same message as what you are in. That means should I go through a difficult time, I'll find the same glory manifest in me. Hallelujah. It's a life that's above the things of this world. The grace of God. Grace meaning the divine influence of God in our lives. We'll get a bit more into that later. It says here. Listen to what Paul says in verse 10. We're going now to the crux of this verse. He says, yes, we're going through difficult times, but life is showing in you. Verse 11, it is written, I believed, therefore I've spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. <laughs> he says, listen, they might remember, these guys believe Jesus is coming back in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. That's what they believed. So he says, listen, okay, we can be killed for the gospel, but um, it's okay, because we have faith, and therefore we speak, and this is the faith that we have, that Jesus was raised, we shall also be raised, and we will stand together when Jesus comes back, maybe in 10 years from now, if we are killed now. We'll be raised. Can you see this? Almost a kind of an insanity, but a life that's greater than the death of this world. That is what Paul is talking about. And he's saying to the people here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I mean, it might sound sad for us, but the most beautiful thing for me is when I see what Paul went through and I know that the same gospel is in me, I know that is the fruit that it will produce in me. That means that when that comes, I will be as happy as what I am now because of the gospel of God's, the good news that God's promise to give us his life is being fulfilled. Through the Holy Spirit pouring it out. Paul says, I don't need a letter of commendation. He says, you are my letter. He says, our ministry is powerful, not in account of ourselves, but on what we minister. We are competent. The ability that we have is because of this gospel. It's not of ourselves. The scripture says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but the new creation. The law made nothing perfect, according to Paul. He says, we are not ministering the law. Why? Because the law cannot make anything perfect. So what Paul had was the grace of God can make you perfect. It can bring perfection to your life. What the law could never do, grace can do in your life. Grace can set you free. It's the power of God. Grace can set you free. I would think in my life that if, you, if certain things happen, that, oh, you're a God, that must just not happen. Because I don't know what will happen should this take place or should that take place. What I found is when the worst happens, <laughs> nothing changed. Because my life was not born 
from the things that I thought, if this is taken away from me, then I will not have joy. No, this life is authentic. It is the, it, it is the, it's true for Paul. It was true for Jesus. It's true for each one of us. And the spirit that raised Christ from that is in each one of us. Each one of us that sit here, that's watching online. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Your life is not your own. It belongs to God and God brings forth life in you. Doesn't matter what. So we cannot live under the threat of, oh Lord, what if they vote this guy in? I can know exactly what's going to happen when they vote a certain person in. I can say, well, the country's economy will go like this. But as for me, I'll be full of joy. I'll be a kind, generous, loving person that shares the love of God, that goes about preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, not having fear for the future. Why? What gives you that? I'm under the jurisdiction of life that's not determined by the things of this world. And another beautiful thing, the scripture says in 1 John, that whatsoever is evil is temporal. But he who believes in the Lord remains forever. <laughs> Whenever you see evil, know it's temporal. Whenever you look at evil, whenever you look at corruption, whenever you look at lies, whenever you look at, at, at anything that happens in this world that's evil, you can look at it now because you're going to see it's going to be there for a moment and then it's going to be gone. Especially in the resurrection. We would say, man, uh, it was gone so quickly we can't even remember it anymore. Only what is born of God is eternal. And we who've believed upon him, we are eternal. Our life is eternal. The love of God in you is eternal. The boldness that God has given you in Christ is eternal. It can never be taken from you. It is forever. So Paul had an issue with the law. And the issue that he had with the law was it can make nothing perfect. It can make nothing perfect. And read that in Hebrews 7. 19. I hope I remember it correctly. It says the former regulation, talking about the law, is set aside because it was weak and useless. The former regulation is set aside. He's talking about the old Judaism system, the system of the law with all its rituals and all those kind of things. It says it was set aside. Why? Because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. What could you hope for under the law? Under the law, you could only, the only thing you could see under the law was, I have to do these things, and if I don't do this, these punishments and this death manifest in me. The only thing the law could reveal was that you don't have life in yourself. And imagine you have that message without the Messiah. Most devastating. Most devastating. The law only finds its true meaning once you see the Messiah. Because once you've seen Christ, 
Then the veil is taken away and you can understand what the whole thing was all about. We'll still get to that. So the former regulation was set aside. Let's go to Romans 8. We're not saved by our works. We are saved by his influential power. And that works. Amen. That gives life. Romans chapter 8. It says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the Spirit, but after the flesh, King James says. NIV doesn't have it in because it wasn't part of the oldest manuscripts. It came into later manuscripts. Verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Why? For what the law was powerless to do, I mean, you can just say for yourself what the law was powerless to do. The law was powerless. The law cannot. For what the law was powerless to do. Because it was weakened by our flesh. God did in sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And to be a sin offering or to condemn sin in the flesh. So the most beautiful thing is, we look at ourselves. We stand under a jurisdiction where God's spirit condemns sin in the flesh. What he's basically saying, and I'm going to say it out boldly. He says in Romans 7, because Romans 8 and 7 next to each other. Romans 7, Paul says, I want to do good, but I can never do the good. Because there's something inside me that stops it. But under grace, he says, the very thing that's, that, that is inside you that wants to stop it is now condemned to death. So that you will be a partaker and a sharer in the holiness that was even talked about in the law. You can share in the life of God. For what the law was talking about, it was pointing to the Messiah, the Christ, that would give you life by showing you, you don't have life in yourself. You need someone to give it to you. That's what it was about. Listen to what Paul says here in um, 2 Corinthians 3. Now the ministration that brought death was engraved in letters on stone, but with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, although it once was trans transitory. In other words, it was passing away. So what Paul is saying is, listen, Moses had uh, glory. That was shining out of his face. Although this glory was passing away. It was still glorious. Now he wants to say that the resurrection will be much more glorious than the law. It says, will not the ministration of the spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation had some glory. How much more glorious will the ministry brings uh, that brings righteousness? You are righteous. It's not by the law anymore. I don't have time to get into that verse. It says, For what was glorious had no glory, should it be comp compared? And if what was passing away came with glory, how much greater is the glory that lost? Now that word passing away there, which it says that the face, the, the glory that was on the face of Moses was passing away, talks about the glory of the law. That word is the Greek word katargeo, which means the following. To render idle, 
to be unemployed, to be inactive, inoperative, to cause a person or thing to have no further efficiency. So the law system cannot have any efficiency in you at all. It only points you to the one that can have efficiency in you. So there's great frustration under the law. For you know what to do. You know, you look at life, but you can never be there. It's like window shopping. You can look at the holy life, but you can never put it on. But in grace, free from our works, we can, it, it is being put on by the Holy Spirit. And we can share in that life. That's why I don't settle for, I mean, the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit is not there where the Holy Spirit say, well, I hope it's going to work. I hope we're going to produce some life in people today. I don't know. No. No. The law is like that. We hope we're going to get somebody to obey us so that this can produce some life, but I don't know. The law can never produce life. The, under the law, you can never be sure of a good outcome. You can be sure that there will be, always be a mess up if it's by your own power. But should you see the law as that which point to Christ and you make use of Christ, we now have the sure hope of sharing in the fullness of God. We have the sure hope of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Passing away means to deprive of power. To deprive of power. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we have got the hope of the resurrection. We are very bold. Paul says, we boldly declare the end of the old. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to pre prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. The end of the law is you cannot live by yourself. You don't have power. It's the manifestation of sin and death. Uh, 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 Moses didn't boldly come and say, listen guys, you see this glory? I want to just tell you it's passing away. This is not eternal. What you are seeing here doesn't have the power to give you life. He wasn't saying that. He was quiet about it. But Paul says, we are not ashamed to say that. We use great boldness because we are very sure of the resurrection power that can bring forth fruit in your life. Therefore, we boldly say, the law cannot. We're not hiding it. We're opening the veil. We're showing it for what it truly is. Judaism and all of its, all of its rituals and all those kind of things cannot produce life. You trying to have life by your own works, your own faithfulness, you'll never have it. Good works has never been a way unto salvation. Good works was that in which salvation is manifested. You receive salvation and God brings forth the fruit. And salvation is a free gift, so is good works as well. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we boldly declare the end of the old. We are not like Moses who put a veil over the face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of the system that was passing away. The end of what is passing away is weakness unto salvation. So weakness unto salvation is going to pass away and Paul boldly declared it. it says here, but their minds were made dull. It says those people, if you read the law, without Christ, you're blind. But if you see Christ and you go and read the law, 
then you're thankful for the law because the law, you see all the types and shadows of Christ and what he's come to do inside the law. But without Christ, imagine you had to, you've got no knowledge of Jesus and you must read the law. I'm not a Jew. I'm not circumcised. I'm cursed. I'm not blessed. I'll never make it. Imagine you are a Jew. Well, I am circumcised. I am part of the people of God and I have this um, these, these, these sacrifices that I must bring and I don't know why it's not working because we stand under Rome we always never making it it's always a, a, a God always somehow finds fault it is a place where we're not seeing breakthrough then we're in the promised land then we're out the promised land then we have people attack us Th then we just live in peace for a few years then somebody else is on our neck I don't know what's going on here great frustration that is what's happening. But when Christ comes, we find that the Spirit of the Lord is poured out on us. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Then it says in verse 18, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate, or in the Greek there, reflect the glory of the Lord, as we are being transformed into the same image as the resurrected Christ. And this comes by the Spirit of the Lord. That is very powerful. So I want to say to each one of you and each one of you that are watching, and I know many of you personally, and I know the difficult times that some people are going through, problems with health, problems with business, problems with so many things. I want to say to you that your business is not your God. The government is not your God. The Lord Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He's above powers and principalities. And you stand under his jurisdiction. And what is inside you is authentic. It is from God. And I want to encourage you to focus on the truth. To focus on the truth. Whenever you hear a negative report, you say, well, I've heard this, but I don't have to meditate on it. It's something you can hear, and we live in this world. Church, we live in this world. If, I mean, when we were in, um, uh, uh, in Zambia, I think we were in Zambia, there was a shooting just, what's it, four blocks from our house. They, they, they shot people the garage. I think, I don't know if it was gang-related or whatever. I mean, it's like, that's not nice to, to hear. Just here, living in a small town. We're finding all this crime and violence coming. I mean, okay, can we hear it? Yes, you'll hear it. You're not deaf. You'll hear it. But it is not for us to meditate on that. Our meditation is on the reality that we have been raised with Christ. We are one with him. His life is our life. And Paul says we can use great boldness and we can say that that which is evil is passing away. It is gone. It will not be forever. But what we have is more robust more powerful, more glorious than anything that the law can ever bring or that the, the systems of this world can bring. The decay that's in this world and even the death that's in this world is passing away and that which is eternal is in you, my friend. And that is the reality. I think sometimes we just need to uh, wake up and smell the coffee. Smell the aroma of God's grace. Smell the aroma of his life. Let me end off by reading the definition of grace. 
Grace is the power of God. This is my layman definition, just my opinion, if you want to call it like that. Take it for what it is. But great, grace, to me, is the power of God by which he keeps his promise. And his promise was that he will share his life with us. And we have been set apart by God unto that. If you talk about election, he's elected us. Many think who, who has been chosen and who wasn't chosen. No, God has chosen that salvation or eternal life will be by him. That is, that is chosen. And you cannot stop it. You cannot change it. Whosoever partakes in that, that's up to the person. He can partake in it or not partake in it. So grace to me is God's power to keep his promise. But listen to the definition here. Grace. Grace, that which affords joy, that, or that which brings joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. Grace, this is Thayer definition, the merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence upon people, turns them to Christ, keeps them, strengthens them, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge and affection, and kindles them to exercise of such Christian virtue. We as the church can expect boldly, we can boldly expect the life of God. And I want to say, if we look into our lives, we will see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So Paul said, and I'm summarizing um, 2 Corinthians 3, he says, I don't need a letter of commendation from anybody. Because I'm absolutely confident in what this message brings forth. And the church in Corinth, you are an example of that. You are an example of that. I'm writing to you because there are other people coming and troubling you with a wrong message which will bring forth wrong fruit in you. But I know what the grace message has brought. I know it was written in our hearts. This message went to other people. And what we are is not by what we do or because we are good preachers. What we are is because of the power of this message and the truth of it. And we are unashamed to call a spade a spade. If something brings death, we, we say it. If something passed away, we say it. And we're saying what brings life. And grace brings life. The resurrection brings life. Jesus died. He poured out the Spirit Church. We are under the power of the Spirit. I don't care what who says. Some might say, but you sound like a faith preacher. Well, what must I say if I believe something? Believe it. I'm not saved by my own faith. I'm saved by grace through the faithfulness of God. And as I see that he's brought the power of the resurrection, he's faithful to me, he's faithful to you, what does it bring in my heart? Faithfulness to that message and believing it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen and amen. We stuur nou al WhatsApp om te sê ek moet ophou. Maar ek stuur my nie aan hulle nie. Ek lees die voen terwijl ek preek. Glory to God. Isn't God good? We are under the grace church. We are under the grace of God. We are under the power of God. Moses said, If I found grace in your sight, then save us, preserve our lives. The Bible says Noah, found grace 
in the sight of God and God preserved his life. So what is grace? It's God's faithfulness to preserve your life. What wants to take your life? The things of this world, the, 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 the thought, the, the, the belief system that what is said here is, you know, going to be the end of it all. They prophesied $10 uh, gallon prices, you know, the doom prophets in America. This is going to be, this is going to be, you're going to lose everything. It was all hype, man. Just hype. Didn't happen. Just lies. COVID is going to do this. The whole world's going to be destroyed. It was lies. All of it was lies. All those false prophets, instead of standing up and saying, I'm a false prophet, you know, and I repent. No, they just have a new prophecy and a new bucket of stuff you can buy from them because of the end times that are coming. I want to tell you, we are under the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And even if death comes, Paul says, even if what I preach can cause my death, I use great boldness because uh, next week I'll be raised. Amazing. That is what God has for us. Father, I want to thank you that I can stretch forth my hand to the people that are sitting here and also people watching. Thank you for the grace of God, which is the power of God unto your life. And thank you that we as the church can walk in a boldness wherein we can say the things of this world, we boldly say, will just grow strangely dim, powerless, weak, having no effect on us as we behold your glory. And as we behold your glory, we find your glory Shining in our faces, shining in our lives by your doing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you touch people's lives right now with signs, wonders, and miracles. People, we can expect the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit is the power of the resurrection. And those of you, I think of especially people watching online that's really sick in their bodies. I declare to you that Jesus was raised from the dead, that we are in the, in, in the time of uh, signs, wonders, and miracles. From the resurrection of Jesus until his return, there will be signs, wonders, and miracles that confirms this word of the resurrection in your body. And the Lord Jesus said, go and heal the sick. And I speak to you and I say in the name of Jesus Christ, I, through this word is brought to you healing. And I thank God that he stretches forth his hand to signs, wonders, and miracles. You don't have to be in that bed all day, all night, all the time having pain. We're bringing you, uh, uh, in the name of Jesus, the hope of a miracle to take place in your life. In Jesus' mighty name. And I declare freedom for you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you very much. For those people that have watched online, thank you so much for slotting in. And um, we will just have our daily devotionals again from tomorrow. Listen to those messages. We get so many positive feedback from that message going to so many people. People creating little groups, sharing it with people, having testimony of how people's lives are changed. And this is from people that are without a job and people that are leaders of churches we find this so yeah listen to those things you'll just find the gospel bearing power in you 
Amen, amen. Praise the Lord.